Welcome, everybody. It's Mark Corbett with Baseball Biz, and with me is none other than my co-host, Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good, Mark. How about you? I am just loving it. I'm loving it, man. I, I feel like my entire life is being judged, so it's, it's, it's driving me crazy. I can't, I can't even get... You know what I need is I need an umpire in my life to help help me get through some of this. I, however, I haven't been pleased with some of the things I've been seeing out there. How about you? Uh, it, it's left a lot to be desired. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, there's been some questionable calls, and we'll talk about a little bit about that in today's show. We'll uh, we'll take a look at uh, what's going on with some pitching, some things we expected and didn't expect here on Baseball Biz. Brandon will also give you the rundown like he does every week. We'll, we'll talk about the nature of an umpire, what that means, and talking about being judged. We'll have Joe West share a bit of a story with us as well. Actually, Joe won't be here, but we'll share a we'll share a story with you about Joe in a little bit too. But Brandon, any any other insights before we walk down this journey with umpires and questionable calls? I actually have a fun trivia thing for you if you want to do that very quick. Yeah, let's do that. Do you know who the MLB logo is a silhouette of? Mm, you talk about the little guy at the bat up there, the the silhouette? Huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I have no idea. Babe Ruth. I did not know it was a real person, but apparently it's Harmon Killebrew. Harmon Killebrew. I did not know that. I just thought it was made up. I, I, I thought as, as well. I was just kidding about Babe Ruth because I figured the stature would, would look a little <laughs> different. Harmon Killebrew. For today, we are going to take a look at some questionable calls. One of the ones starting out with this new season, I think everybody had to take a double look at, was with Mr. Mike Conforto with the Mets. That game ended with something the Marlins couldn't even begin to guess. Here, here, let's play a bit from some of the announcers, what they had to say at this game-ending walk-off hit-by-pitch. And he stuck his elbow right into that pitch. Should be strike three. So and the umpires are conferring, and let's see. But it's a judgment call by the umpire as to win. What do they say? And say the play stands. Game's over. Mets win it. Wow. wow. You've heard what they had to say here. Now, to kind of give you a little bit more insight what that's about, Marlins reliever Anthony Bass was up there. He, he's really good about working the edges of the strike zone. He's getting right at the corner. It's, it's going to be a strike. It's, it's, there's no doubt. He's getting there. It's just slightly inside, but still in the strike zone. And just as the umpire was getting ready to call it a strike, Michael Conforto leans in just a little bit with his elbow and takes the hit. And, and I mean, Brandon, it wasn't even a hit, was it? I mean, it, it, it looked like a brushback. When I first saw it, I, I didn't even think that it hit him, to be honest. I thought it missed him completely. And then you see the umpire raise his hand to call a strike, and then he's end up he ends up going, Oh, nope, that's a hit by pitch. You can go take your base. And it was so bad that even the team that benefited from it, their announcers knew it was a horrible call. That's how bad it was. I've I've heard from a few Mets fans, and you'll even find this on some of the YouTubers, but they'll say, We'll take the win, but eh, it was ugly and uh, it wasn't real. <laughs> uh, I think Mon- Michael Comfardo was it. No, 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 I didn't. Well, maybe, you know. I, I think he was a bit evasive on whether he intentionally got hit or not. But it was a solid strike. The ball went directly into the catcher's mitt. 
and I, I don't I didn't see it, but it wasn't just a matter of him being hit by a pitch and getting a base. It was the end of the freaking game, because from that call, there were men on base, and with <laughs> with Conforto walking at first, we had other guys that are going to be walking in, and that ended the game. If I was a Marlins fan, I would be irate. I would be furious. I would protest that game. But it does go to the whole idea of what we expect of the home plate umpires. Brandon, I I was surprised long ago when I was a young kid, and that was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) to find out that in in Major League Baseball, they actually announced the names of the umpires. I always thought they'd be like blind justice, you know. they don't really have a name. They just stand there. Uh, maybe blind justice was the wrong uh, parallel. <laughs> well, they're blind sometimes. Is that? I, I don't want to say too much because we don't want to get litigious here. We'll talk a little bit about more about that and Joe West later. Home plate umpire Ron Culpa rose out of his crouch to begin signaling a third strike. Conforto, Conforto turned and pointed to his elbow, indicating that pitch had hit him. Well, Culpa responded by animated tapping his own elbow, indicating that it was indeed a hit-by-pitch. Conforno jogged to first base, where Dominic Smith dumped a bottle of water on his head as the Mets mobbed him and Marlins manager Don Manley emerged from the visiting dugout. I I love the home umpire's uh, name, too. Ron Culpa. Do you think he's mea culpa? (laughs) No. Okay. Okay, bad Latin joke. Yeah, but it was too late. The Mets won their opener. Uh, there you go. Three to two. And this is one of those, I think, that will live in history. It's going to be one of those we look back over like 10 years from now. It's like, how did you make that call? It was kind of like when Jim Joyce did the, I believe it was Armando Galarraga, the Tigers, where he called the guy safe, yeah. but he was out by a mile. And it cost him the, uh, I think it was a perfect game. Might be like that one day. Not to that extent, but. It'll be remembered like that. It, yeah, it will it'll be recalled when other future events occur as far as questionable calls. Evidently, I was looking also at an article from uh, Mr. Ken Rosenthal. And in it, I think he's saying, umpire Ron Couple admitted blowing a call Thursday when he ruled Michael Conforto as hit by a pitch to give the Mets a 3-2 walk-off over the Marlins, even though the pitch was in the strike zone and should have resulted in a uh, called strike three. Replay was used, and we're going to talk about that too, <laughs> but only to determine whether the pitch hit Conforto. The questions of whether the pitch was a strike and whether Conforto attempted to get out of the way, judgment calls, were not reviewable. We ought to do a whole show just on judgment calls. Okay. All right. Let's, let's put Conforto and that game to rest. So, you know, that's, that's one little episode, not surprisingly, here in the first week and a half of the new season. Wasn't really anything else going on like that, was it, Brandon? Uh, there, there was a couple things, and we had an umpire call a foul ball that was clearly foul. Called it a home run. There was that. I remember, we talked about that earlier this week. Yeah, that was that was just crazy nuts. And then uh, what the thing with Ar- Darno? Oh, the the Braves Phillies one. That that one was horrible. I mean, even I could tell that was a bad call. Now, to, to kind of give folks what we're talking about here, this is Mister Travis Del Darno catcher you know for the Braves and they're playing the Phillies you got a we got a, a, a base runner he's coming into home Alex Baum 
There he is with the Phillies. He's going to make it. He's going to get in. And the ball's thrown in. Catcher Darno gets the ball. And he tags. He tags Alex Baum, but that's not really it. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that he even got tagged. It was that Baum never even touched the plate. And it, Insanity. And it wasn't like it was even close either. You, There were replays where you could definitely see his foot skipped over. Like it hit short, jumped over, and landed behind it. There were replays that showed it perfectly. And somehow it wasn't conclusive enough to overturn it. Even though everybody and their mother saw it. I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes we need to have some of those game shows where they, uh, you know, they say, I'd like to reach out and call someone for an answer. Can, can the audience give me an answer? I think to, you can phone a friend. <laughs> yeah, phone a friend. And in a sense, the umpires do that when they send it up to the re, us recall, <laughs> the replay, center, replay operations center. But yeah, oh gosh, that was terrible, man. And you know what? What are they going to do? You know, MLB. They said in a statement later that after review of all relevant angles, the replay official could not definitely determine that the Phillies' Alec Baum failed to touch home plate before Braves catcher Travis Darno tagged him in the ninth inning, and the run proved the difference and the Phillies' hit, hit the Phillies' seven-six victory. Now, now, okay, I want to take this part because if you're going to say the replay official could not definitely determine that the Phillies' Alec Baum failed to touch home bait, plate before Braves catcher Travis Darno tagged him, before, okay. He failed to touch home plate before. He didn't touch it. It wouldn't matter if he did it before or after he was tagged. Yeah, you could see that he was tagged, and you could see that he skipped over the plate when he slid. I mean, that was definitive enough for me. I only needed two replays to see it. I mean, boom, boom, 30 seconds, I got the call of the room. He's out. What about that uh, that home run that was called <laughs> earlier this week? That was crazy. I don't have the details here in front of me, but uh, what was it? Let's see. It was the A's and Dodgers, and Kershaw was pitching, and he gave up a foul ball that they ruled a home run, and I don't even think the A's player really knew that it was a home run. He saw them twirling his finger, and he just kept going, and Kershaw didn't know until the guy was like rounding third, and he was trying to figure out what was going on, and they had the challenge to show that it was foul, and watching the replay, you could tell it was foul just by the angle of where it landed. That's That's... That's that's inspiring. Uh, you know, umpires go through a lot, and you can't expect 100% from these people. You know, Oh, quick note. I know last year, because of COVID, there was like a training camp in Vero Beach for umpires, and they did not have the training camp open because it's that, that training camp's from everybody, high school, minors, and people who want to get into the majors. Maybe that's why all the bad calls are going on. They didn't have their training camp. That's that's it. I I mean I know that I know that they're evaluated throughout the year, you know. But I think they're evaluated by them by their umpires, you know. So <laughs> they evaluate themselves. That's right. I, I love it when a, a government agency says, "Well, yes, sir, maybe reason for investigation, but we'll take a look at it ourselves. Nobody else. Y'all stand back now. We'll take a good look at it." And that, that says the same thing to me about we're going to have umpires investigate umpires it's it's like when you're in school and you get to grade your own your own work and you sometimes you'll erase answers and circle the right one to give yourself the right one that, that that's kind of what it seems like oh brother now look into some of the, the controversy here 
and there's always going to be calls that are questionable. It was interesting to see Ken Rosenthal came up, you know, with an analysis that I found very helpful. And it was five possible ways to improve MLB's instant replay system. Because we were talking about earlier, I mean, you've got four umpires on the field. You've got one behind home plate and then one by each of the bases. And now that's during the regular season. So when there is questions, you know, they get together. But after that, it goes to replay system. Rosenthal wanted to take a look at, at how that could help improve things. So he hit five elements. We're, let's, we'll just run, hit, we'll tell you what they are now, and we'll, we'll go a little bit in each one of them. Was, first one was ignore the call on the field. <laughs> we'll tell you what that means. Second was replace the umpires at the command center with independent experts. The third, make more calls reviewable. The fourth, make the replay official a fifth member of the umpiring crew. And the last one was offer full transparency. Let's hit that first one, Brandon. Ignore the call on the field. (laughs) I think we'd all like to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a proposal, but it's kind of out there. I mean, I don't know if that will really fix anything because, I mean, I think the call that they made in the Braves game, that was just incompetence, to be honest. the, The Braves, or not the Braves one, the Dodgers and the A's one, you know, I understand that that was a mistake. It happens. Or not everybody's perfect. And especially if you're there live, that's actually a long way to see a ball. So, you know, that's just a mistake everybody makes. But the Braves one, I think that's just incompetence. Well, when I, I saw that headline for that number one, ignore the call in the field, I thought, well, you know, as a fan, I often do. <laughs> it's a, Yeah, well, that's a bunch of horse hockey. Come on. But when Rosenthal was talking about ignoring the call in the field, he was talking as far as, the replays, you know, basically they were talking about if there was a questionable call and they sent it up to the replay center, they would not let the replay center know what the call actually was on that play. So they're making a judgment without being able to give favor to, to the umpire's decision. Because right now, the way it stands, once an umpire makes a decision, it takes a lot to overturn it. Basically, it has to be clear and obvious that that call was, was wrong. If it's questionable at all, it goes and stays with the original call. So any disputed call from, with the umpire that went up to the replay center, if you instituted this rule, ignore the call in the field? I don't know. What do you think, Brandon? I mean, I... I think it's fine the way it is. I mean, every other sport that has replay says it has to be clear and concise or definitive. And they don't seem to have a problem with it. It's only baseball that seems to have a problem with something that's really simple, to be honest. Yeah. Not not in, not baseball, no. <laughs> Leave it to baseball to do. Something so simple will make it so complicated. Well, that that's what we're all about. I mean, with, between all the analytics, I wonder if there's umpire analytics out there. <laughs> well, we actually have some numbers. We'll go over a little bit of those in a moment. But uh, let's see. Oh, the second one Rosenthal had, replace the umpires at the command center with independent experts. Now, the reasoning behind that is that at the replay command center, the people who observe and make decisions, they're other umpires. They're basically in rotation. So while you may be umpiring on the field this week, 
you could be at the replay command center another week. So the gist of that would be, if you're replacing them with independent experts, you're having somebody who doesn't have a vested interest, who can look at this with, with a blind eye, so to speak, or without any kind of attachment to the people who are out there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that would be a good one because, I mean, how I'll, I hope it doesn't happen, you know, they have professional relationships and it's like they don't show favoritism like, hey, that's my boy. I'm going to help him out. He didn't get that call wrong. Or, hey, I don't like this guy. I'm going to make sure that the call's wrong. I don't think that happens. At least I hope that doesn't happen, but I think that would definitely eliminate it. I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I doubt that there's favoritism. I think what the real challenge is, is that you all have the same mindset. And whether you're thinking of it consciously or subconsciously, I don't think there's favoritism. I just think that if you all march in the same single file, there's not going to be much deviation. Maybe there shouldn't be. I don't know. We'll see. So replace the umpires of the command center with independent experts. I'd have to give that a hard no. Yeah, that's it's a no for me, dog, as Randy Jackson would say. <laughs> All right. Rosenthal's third suggestion, make more calls reviewable. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, no hesitation there, Brandon? No, they, they have a hard enough time with, the, with what they have now. You can't give them more. <laughs> well, what do you get? You, does each team get, they get uh, two reviewable calls that they can... They can play out in the game. Yeah. but So if you use those, I think they give you another one if you go into extra innings or overtime, as some of my friends say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my friends who are, who are uh, partially involved in the game. The, the whole idea, you know, of uh, more calls, good Lord. Right now it takes almost a minute and a half to two minutes, sometimes more than that, for a call to be reviewed. And if you don't like how long a baseball game is, now, think of how much more you would love it if you had, oh, three more reviewable plays on each side of the game. Ugh. That's, that, no. Hard no. <laughs> yeah, like, like I said earlier, or a couple, a minute ago, it was like, no, it's a pass. Yeah, I love it. You, you, you didn't hesitate. You, yeah, congrats <laughs> on that one. Now, here's an interesting one. Make the replay official, this is his fourth suggestion, Ken Rosenthal. Make the replay official a fifth member of the umpiring crew. Uh, I guess what? I guess maybe that if you're one of those other four umpires out on the field we were talking about a moment ago, do you, do you put the fifth umpire in their ear? Does, or is he just, when they all gather to discuss a play, you know, at the field, instead of sending something up to the replay center, you get the fifth guess, hey, 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 I, I'm looking at here on the film, and guys, he was safe. Or he's talking in here, and it, does he give instructions too? I mean, I don't think umpires give instructions to other umpires during the game. What do you think that'd be like, though, having the replay official as a fifth mem- member of the umpiring crew? I think it would it would be a good move because both the NHL and NFL they have have it to where video officials can come in, like they have it where the booth can buzz down to the head official. We see it all the time where they'll randomly blow the play dead before they snap the ball and say that we're going to the booth to review it. So the NFL has that and the NHL has it where in Toronto they have like this big, the war room as they call it, but it's basically a man cave with a bunch of TVs where they watch the games all night. And what they do sometimes is 
if the goal, if say if the puck crosses the line and the officials at, in the arena don't see it and the play keeps going, they'll actually buzz the horn and they'll randomly stop the play and say, hey, we saw that. That looked like it went in. And they'll show them the replay to make sure so that, you know, time doesn't drag on. So the NHL has that. And I think if the MLB were to have that, it would be good. Like, it would speed up replay. We don't have to sit there and have the manager stare in the dugout with their hand out saying, wait a minute. We don't have to have that. We can just have the booth review, as they call it. You know, speed up the game, sort of. I don't know. I, I kind of like the drama of, of the manager sitting in the booth, <laughs> you know. But 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 seriously, okay, and you were talking about the other one with a booth on the field. That was that was football, though, right? That was NFL. Yeah, it's kind of like a fifth official kind of. They're at the stadium, but they're just like up in a up in a booth watching replays. So you don't think proximity has anything to do with it? You, you you would opt it whether they're in a command center somewhere reviewing it or being in a booth somewhere near on the field. Same difference. Yeah, I think either one would be fine. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> so it's kind of like me with the make more calls reviewable. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't know, man. It's it, to me, it's one more voice that's there. You got four of them out there, and I, I don't. I, we'll see. I mean, and if you did have a fifth member who is judging, is he gonna? You know, I guess he'd still be at the replay center. I, anyway, well, let's move on to number five. Offer full transparency. I guess what he's looking for here is seeing that after the game, or maybe even during the game, explaining what they saw. Um, because a lot of times it's been where the call's made, and unless there's some sort of formal protest, nothing is really explained you know, to, to anyone about the call. I thought it was interesting that Culpa you know, saw fit to come out and say, hey, I was wrong. What can I tell you? And good for him for admitting his mistake. I mean, that he's he's like, you know what? I'm an adult. I'm going to own up to my mistake. And he did that. And I think, you know, offering full transparency would be great. Because every other sport does it where they go out there and they explain, you know, this call stands because of this. Or this call is confirmed or overturned because of this. So why can't baseball do it? You just see them go safer out. And you're just right. left to assume. Right. And you know what happens when you assume, right? Yeah, you make a prez yeah. out of you and me. Oh, that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. That's cl- close enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a boss tell me that the, uh, when I was youngster. She called me in the office and said, well, you know, I assume this, that, and the other. And she says, well, you know what assume that that means. So, yeah, you know, it means I was kind of taking something for granted. Which I saw. No, 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 no. That's I mean, assume means you make app out of you and me. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. I'm back in grade school. No. <laughs> oh, but here's one. I mean, you were talking earlier about the umpires calling a foul ball as a home run, a home run for the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw, them playing the Oakland A's. Did they have to use that as one of their challenges? I don't. I don't remember seeing if it was a challenge. I thought that they, you know, discussed it and then went to review, which we've seen them do. I think that's what it was, but I, I could be wrong. I would hate to think that I would have to use one of my two challenges to to say it's a freaking foul ball. I know your eyes lost it. 
and you thought went out of the park, but it was a foul ball. No, it's here. Let's see. Take a look at a replay breakdown by season, and this was part of what uh, Ken Rosenthal had put in there as well in The Athletic. By the way, I love what the guy writes. He's fantastic. So in 2014, there was a total of 1,286 reviews. Of those, only about 25% were confirmed. Then another about 28% were stood. Uh, Then 47% were overturned. Wow, 47% overturned. And if we look and say, oh, 2019, the last full season, there were 1,378 reviews. Pardon me. In 2019, there were 1,378 reviews. Uh, 21% were confirmed. Uh, about 34% stood as they were, and 44% were overturned. So you're looking mid to high 40s as far as the calls that were overturned each year. And they actually put in their list, too, as far as the average amount of time it took for the replay and the decision. Again, we're looking somewhere about a minute and a half to two minutes. Uh, yeah, most recently, it seemed like they're cutting the time. 2020 was down to a minute and 24 seconds. We do have analytics. <laughs> well, I mean, at least they're speeding it up a little bit. But, I mean, didn't the Mets, Marlins one, I didn't see it live. But didn't they say it took like 10 minutes to rule on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ones that are really ugly take the longer, it seems like. And it's, <laughs> That's going to kill the average. Uh, I can't wait to see what 2021 looks like. <laughs> but uh, maybe there's a running total we can we can see. I, I'm getting deep in the weeds here, but you got to pull me out. Okay. Now, if we look at the umpires, they do get trained. And you, from what I've heard, few of them retire each year. I mean, it's a good gig if you like it. You're not going to be standing squatty in the heat with a mask on your face and possibly get hit several times in a game unless you love that job. <laughs> so uh, these these guys are the least paid people on the uh, on the field. I mean, you're looking at the guys that are out there. Minimum wage for a MLB player is somewhere around five hundred fifty to six hundred thousand dollars. You know, we're not even talking about the big boys. We were making tens of millions of dollars out there. Umpires, their salaries, like I said, range from 110000 to 432000 And they, you know, they get a bonus if they go into the postseason. But that, that's not a lot of money. But it's, it's, it's more than a lot of us make. It can be quite kind of sweet. Maybe these guys were teachers in a past life, or maybe they just like telling other people what to do. Maybe they, do you have to be a control freak to be, be an umpire? I, I don't know. Maybe, because some of them are, are very control freakish, you know? Like any little thing that they don't like, they'll throw a hissy fit over it and they'll throw, throw you out. Joe West, you know, he, he's kind of the, probably one of the most recognized umpires out there. He, he called for a replay. <laughs> he called for a replay in, in a, a lawsuit, drew a lawsuit against, uh, was it Paul Oduka? Yeah, Paul Oduka was, he was sued by Country Joe West for $500,000 in a defamation suit. And he said that Laduca said during an April podcast interview on the Action Network that he had been ejected 15 times during his major league career and eight or nine had been by West. And he also said that during the podcast, when the, when he was catching Billy Wagner during a Mets game against the Phillies in 06 or 07, 
that West called three straight batters out on strikes. And he added that LaDuca claimed Wagner told him the reason he got the calls was the pitcher had allowed West to drive his 1957 Chevy. And West countered saying that he told LaDuca was ejected eight times in his career and only once by West. And he denied any favoritism and said that Wagner did not pitch in the only Mets-Phillies game that West worked behind the plate during the 06 and 07 campaigns. And those come courtesy of the Associated Press and ESPN. You may disagree with, with an umpire's call. You know, you may think they're crazy. You may say, well, their understanding of the strike zone is questionable. But I, I believe most of them are honest. I mean, there, there's judgment calls they make. You can't question them on strikes and balls. But uh, it, it sounds like Leduca here was just shooting off his mouth. <laughs> sort of like me. But, but the, the, the difference was he made a... Uh, a character assassination by implying that Joe was motivated by a, a bribe, if you will. And I got to say, most of the times that I have oh, seen an issue with an umpire, it's, I, I see that whatever they're doing, they, they tend to be doing it for both teams. They either see a wider strike zone or a tighter strike zone. And I, you know, sometimes you'll see, well, it looks like they tighten it up a little later in the game, whatever. I believe if any of these guys were really on the take, it would come out quick. There is just too much scrutiny on everybody these days that things like this with Joe West, I am not surprised at all that he won his lawsuit and half a million dollars. There's a, there's a whole year yeah, worth of work. As much as I, as I don't like Joe West, I don't think you should attack the man's character. I mean, you could say that I think he's a horrible umpire, but... I don't don't go after the man's <laughs> character. That's kind of a low blow. And about a month or t- month month and a half ago, we saw it with the NHL where they had something where an um, or an official was caught on tape when they were going to commercial, saying, "I wanted to give Nashville a penalty early and then a cut off." And a lot of people were wondering, "Hey, is this guy showing favoritism?" Sort of like what. You know, the NBA official did a long time ago in the Western Conference Finals. I, I can't remember his name, but he had like money on the game. And he was he was purposely giving calls to, I think it was the Lakers against the Kings. And so the NHL, you know, hoping to avoid any issue like that, they fired the guy not even 24 hours later. As well they should. I mean, we're, we're not looking for shoeless Joe Jacksons in, in any sport and certainly not as somebody who's officiating. So, Joe West, we're happy for you. Glad you're still out there and keeping the game, game interesting for us. So, I like Hopefully that. you can put that money towards his next album. I still haven't got the chance to sit down and listen to his music yet. I've heard one. I believe it's called Out at Home. It It's something. Okay. Okay. Well, let's take one last look at the umpires and something that, a decision, it's not completely made by the umpires, and that's when the rain starts. There was a game the other day, yeah, in Mets and Marlins. Hey, the Marlins. And <laughs> our friends. And Marcus Stroman, he was unhappy. I mean, it's been raining and raining and raining. You know, if, if they'd been in Marlins Stadium, that wouldn't have been a problem. Or was it Lone Depot Park? Whatever they but, call it uh, Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was saddening. I mean, you, you saw there was like puddles on the field. Uh, I saw Corey Dickerson wiping you know, splashes of water off of his helmet when he went up to bat. It's like, what, you know, what's going on? 
So this one isn't so much a, a toss at the umpires, but at whoever's making the decision. Sometimes it's the ground, the ground crew, and I think in other instances it, it might be the umpire. But the thing of it is, come on, people. We want a safe game for our players out there. And a pitcher like Marcus Stroman's out there, and he's, he's not even really going to, to play. You know, it's going to be five more days before he can take the mound after some of this insanity when the game should have been called in the first place. Said, nope. Nope, but they weren't going to do it. What, what else are we, some other activities? I'll just go ahead. Yeah, I, I think it's sort of a mix between the grounds crew and umpires, even though I think, you know, the umpires have the last say, like what goes, goes. And looking at the videos and the pictures, it was ridiculous. I mean, there were puddles out there. It was pouring down rain because, I mean, the whole East Coast was getting storms over the weekend. Yeah. And you saw games getting postponed left and right because of it. And for some reason, this wasn't one of them. I've played in the rain before. It's fun. But when it's pouring down rain and you have puddles out there and the infield's all muddy, it becomes like a safety issue. Like you could hurt yourself even easier. And also the ball is harder to, it's hard to feel, harder to feel because the ball's slick and you can't throw it. So who knows how, how much it's going to affect the game. All too true. So the safety issues there and when it's visibly such a problem, it's crazy. I mean, even WrestleMania had to go ahead and postpone for a couple hours this past weekend. Not to mention, let's see, what was it? Oh, and down in Dunedin where the Blue Jays are playing here in Florida. The weather was bad, and they had to postpone that game for quite a bit. Well, sometimes you need to postpone it, and sometimes you just need to say, well, the, the field is daggone sloppy. I wouldn't let a horse race on that field. So <laughs> players shouldn't be out there either. Any other exciting pitchers going on? Anything else going on? with? Because we were talking about Padres. They had a little bit of excitement, didn't they, Brandon? Yes. Thank you for the excellent tradition or excellent transition into this week's rundown. Ba-da-bum. And now here's Brandon's rundown. Okay. <laughs> that's my Don Pardo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll start with the Padres where Joe Musgrove, he pitched the first no-hitter in Padres history. And that was only his second start as a Padre. He was acquired in a trade in the offseason. And he went to high school only 13 miles away from Petco Park. So hometown kid gets the first no-hitter in team history. Wow. So And, and that means he a complete game, eh? Yeah. And I think another excellent transition. Thank you. And pitchers seem to be going even deeper this year. Ever since we discussed a couple weeks ago that they've been having shorter starts more often. Johnny Cueto, about a week ago on the 9th, Against Colorado, he went eight and two thirds, only giving up a run and seven strikeouts. Earlier this weekend, we saw a softball pitcher for, for North Texas. She threw a perfect game and she had 21 strikeouts. So every batter she faced, she struck out. So shout out to her. <laughs> oh man, I'd love to see that. that. That would have been so cool. And a little bit of tooting our own horn with the Rays. Glass now, he went seven and two thirds with 14 strikeouts. That's always a miracle when the Rays pitchers go more than five. Oh, yeah. So he had 14 strikeouts, retired his first 11 batters with seven strikeouts, and he extended his win streak to six games and marked the longest scoreless start since Ryan Yarbrough went eight and two-thirds against Seattle in 2019. That is huge. And I, I know when you go to a Rays game, they got that board out there, the, the canes, and every time there's a strike, there's a big K that lights up across that board. And I mean, they ran out of case, I guess, when <laughs> they got to uh, to Tyler the other night. Yeah. Must have blown up the board. 
remember everybody would get so excited when you get close because it, I mean, it used to be you get a free pizza and now it eventually went down to a hoagie and now it's what like a taco or something now yeah taco and beans <laughs> <laughs> they kind of lost its excitement but it's still cool to see the 10 strikeouts i i wonder if we'll see cash give him a a, a chance or any of a chance for a complete game in 2021 Hopefully he does, you know, later in the year. This early, I can understand. I mean, he had like 100 pitches. I mean, I'd love to have seen him finish the inning, but, you know, it's early. It's a long season. People booed Cash when he was walking out there. I mean, it's early. If this were later in the year, like September, October, or maybe even August, I would understand, you know, maybe be like, hey, let, let the guy go. It's later in the year. Let's have some fun with it. Well, congratulations to Tyler and the Rays. That's a, that's a great achievement. Sticking with the pitching, Tigers top pick Casey Mize, he got his first big league win against Houston in, only, in his ninth start, where he went seven innings with two walks, five strikeouts, and the shutout. And staying in Houston, A.J. Hinch. It was his return to Houston since managing them to in Game 7 of the 2019 World Series, where he was given a standing ovation in his return. And former players came over to Hinch for hugs and laughs, and even though the guy am fired, so I guess the hugs were to take the knife out of his back. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the only place anybody from the Astros is going to get a standing ovation. But the goodwill, I, I can't imagine if whether or not it was reciprocated with hints to the players. But, <laughs> I mean, that, that man should, I mean, I'm not going to say he should have been fired or not fired. But if he was fired, somebody else should have certainly taken some of the heat as well. I'm talking about the players. <laughs> yeah, the players were pretty much gotten away scot-free. They Apparently, they didn't do anything wrong, and we're all overreacting to it, and we should just let things go. All right, going over to the NL, you have the Red Hot Reds, who many people didn't think would be that great this year, but they've been pretty good so far, even though it's early. They're 7-4, and four, and first in the NL Central. Good for them. Even though they lost Trevor Bauer, which was their biggest name, but... And they really seem to get off to a hot start. I don't know how long it can last, but it'll definitely be something to watch if they can keep it going, you know. What can they do in this division? Because so far, it's anybody's game. Well, well I'm, I'm certainly going to be watching them closely. I know that after the, uh, the, the incarnation of all things that are baseball moved on to the Dodgers, I was really wondering how things were going to be going with the Cincinnati Reds. Well, this isn't necessarily MLB-related, but it is baseball-related, as our good friend Alex Rodriguez is a part of a group that is buying the Timberwolves. And their first overall pick of last year's draft, Anthony Edwards, he was asked if he's a fan of A-Rods. And in response, he said, a fan? Who is he? And a reporter said, he's Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player? And Edwards responded, yeah, honestly, I don't know who that is. I know he's going to be the owner, but I don't know nothing about baseball. So... Oh. <laughs> Big fan of A-Rods. So, you know, any any chance we get to make fun of him or, or Yankee in a way, we're going to take it. Well, you remember, I mean, it was him and uh, J-Lo. I thought they were going to be the new owners of the Mets about a year ago. Yeah, how would that have been since him and J-Lo are, are no longer together? How would that have how would that have gone down? Would, would they have had to sell it all to Cohen? Maybe he would have got it at a better price. Maybe. <laughs> and lastly, MLB. Busting Bowers Balls. And thank you to DodgersNation.com for that headline. I just had to steal it from them, so shout out to them. Bauer had some of his balls sent to MLB for inspection after a sticky, visible substance was seen on them. And 
if you've been living under a rock, MLB banned substances to improve spin rate in the offseason. That was the big topic around a guy named Bubba, Bubba Harkins. And according to the Dodgers manager Dave Roberts, the umpires are collecting balls from all pitchers and those that are put in play for inspection slash testing and says that he wants to guard against his players being singled out, but he thinks Bauer is. I don't know how you can really single somebody out when it's everybody's balls are getting inspected. Well, it makes for it makes for a nice story, though, because let's face it, when it comes to Mr. Bauer, he's, he is quite outspoken and entertaining and not a friend of Manfred, not to say that Manfred would go after him directly, but when there's going to be any criticism, especially as much as Bauer has made a big deal about how virtually everyone is using some sort of sticky stuff, according to him, not surprisingly that he's going to be scrutinized closely. Yeah, and in case you don't know, Bauer previously said that those substances give a bigger advantage than steroids. He also said that there's no way that the spin rate can jump 300 or more RPMs on a fastball without using an illegal substance. But how much did his spin rate jump last year on his fastball? 300 or more RPMs. <laughs> okay. And we also have a response from from Bauer. He put on Twitter, LOL, always funny reading desperate and misleading clickbait headlines from national gossip bloggers. To translate fake journalists speak for y'all, it's unclear whether equals, I can't be bothered to look into this because it doesn't fit my narrative. Wonder where the articles about balls from every other pitcher being taken out of play in literally every other game this season are. Also, LOL to MLB, who already has sources talking to gossip bloggers about a supposedly confidential process a week into the season. Thumbs up. Y'all keep killing it. I bet it's Barr being Barr, I tell you what. And, and is always sharing his love with the MLB. Yeah, I mean, if Dave Roberts is talking about, you know, the media singling him out, and then I can understand I hate that. But if he's talking about the process, then I think he kind of contradicts himself. But I do think he's talking about the media singling him out. You know, I don't think we're considered media, but if you see Trevor Bauer's baseball is taken away for inspection for substance, you know, most people probably don't really know that there's a, you know, the ban on the substance, unless you're like a big fan. But if you're somebody who every once in a while drops in, but knows who Trevor Bauer is and know that he hates cheating, that that's going to grab eyeballs and headlines like that. They're going to attract more people. So that's why they're doing it. That's that's why TMZ is so so popular. Oh yeah. Well, well, you hit it when you said when Barr said clickbait, because that's what it is. You know, for a lot of folks, it's just yeah. a way to draw you in. Hey, what can we put in clickbait for this episode? I don't know. How to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk but, about Trevor Bauer. Oh, well, that would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. No, my uh, my sympathies go out to him, and it, it, there, it's so easy to go ahead and assert something. You know, we were talking about how somebody did that with, you know, Joe West, and guess what? They got hit for it. They got hit with it for a half, you know, half a million dollars as well. They should. And when it comes to personalities, and it comes to, you know, people's reputation, you know, people others need to be careful about that. So it's so easy. I won't say necessarily to destroy a person's life, but to alter it with lies. And, gee, I'm getting up on this soapbox again. <laughs> but uh, it, it makes a difference. Yeah, and, and before we get to that, this story came out roughly a week ago, and I haven't seen anything out on it since, so 
I guess maybe everything is okay, but I don't know how long the process really takes, so I'm assuming it doesn't take over a week to do, but remember what happens when you assume. Well, you know, all the investigation on Barr, all the looking back at Bubba Harkins, looking at the purity of the game, what's involved, what's not. You know, even it was Zach Hanfel I saw coming out of game of the day. He caught one of them and said, you know, this one's got some stuff on it. <laughs> it's like, geez. Well, one, you got to remember that they're allowed to have some mud on it. There's actually, we talked about before, there's a sanctioned product that the, uh, the guys who work in the clubhouse, they go ahead and mud up the balls. But that's not what was being accused of with the sticky stuff. But then there's some other things going on with the ball. I mean, we had balls that say, oh, well, they've, they've made them so that you can have more homers. You know, that was there for a while. Now they're saying that they've been deadening the ball. And one of the things is, are we going to see less home runs this year because of that? I, I don't know. But some of the people are asserting, not only have the balls been deadened, but they're also getting more bounce. And I, I'm curious to see how that's going to impact the small game. Yeah, we've, we've said we kind of want more, you know, small ball. And from what we've seen, we've seen a little bit more of it this year, which I like because I'm honestly a fan of the small ball. Well, there, there you go, man. From busting buyers balls, as you were stating earlier, <laughs> to, to, to balls even being made uh, to where they could, they're favorable to home runs and having their own steroids, as Byers was talking about with the sticky stuff, to being deadened and looking at uh, less of an exit velocity. But it's the purity of the game. And here we are, Brandon, once again, just what, a few days, a week and a half into the season, and we've got plenty of controversy. It it makes our job easier. I mean, we always joke about it, but it, it really does. There's plenty of stuff once the season starts to talk about, and we're not just talking about the scores. We're talking about the whole infrastructure around the game. And I hear Rob Manfred's got something, a new plan on infrastructure. I'm not sure what it's going to be, so we'll see. Is it one baseball? (laughs) One baseball, that's right. Okay. Brandon, once again, we have covered all the most important parts of baseball this week on Baseball Biz. As we're wrapping all of this up with our great insights once again in another week of baseball, do you have any final words to share with our audience, Brandon? Uh, Thanks for listening. And give us all a follow. There you go. So we look forward to that. And you can find Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter and me at The Baseball Biz on Twitter. And of course, wherever you are listening to us now. Also, you can find us at podcast.google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and most any directory out there. So thank you for once again listening to us here on Baseball Biz. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Also, special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward.